Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk with everyday people about their life fears, challenges, and triumphs. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and I hope over the next half hour, you will be engaged, enlightened, and inspired to live your best life. My guest today is Phyllis White, a personal assistant who helps individuals with organizing, decluttering, gardening, and childcare. Phyllis is a former educator and library assistant. She admits to struggling with anxiety, insomnia, and depression. Welcome, Phyllis, to the podcast. Thank you, Candice. I really appreciate you coming on today. I know that you um, are fairly busy with your work as an assistant and that you took on a new client with maybe a new issue. As he, You said he was a hoarder. Is that correct? Yes, it appears to me that he is. In fact, he, he's actually an old friend, and he stopped letting me into his house several years ago, or didn't, he stopped inviting me over. And just about six months ago, um, I finally sort of marched up to the door and looked inside and his brother had raised some red flags and I literally just marched myself in and found um, just quite a mess. I mean, he's primarily a hoarder of books and papers, but there was also some kitchen trash and, you know, other items, but primarily books and papers. And because there was so much, you know, it was with a lot of hoarders, I think um, the house was pretty filthy. It probably had not been deep cleaned in decades, I'd say. So I just sort of launched right into uh, helping to uh, declutter. That's awesome. We both admit to not being experts in hoarding for the audience and that this is just an open discussion of things that you've seen there and what's maybe worked for him and your work in decluttering. So you mentioned he didn't want to let you in at first. Do you think that was out of embarrassment? Yes, he's definitely admitted to some shame around this. Um, And I think that's probably not surprising. because, you know, there's the obsessive compulsive component of it. And um, a person with a obsessive compulsive disorder, which I actually have read about, um, you know, really just can't help themselves um, unless they really engage in a very conscious effort to um, deal with it. And there are some self-help uh, therapies and medications for that. but. In his case, you know, he, it had been going on for years, and it may have probably even started when he was young. Um, sometimes there's a precipitating event that can cause a person to hoard, um, but in his case, I'm not exactly sure. And I'm sure that there's different levels of hoarding. A classic definition for those who are listening is that Hoarding, the hoarding disorder is a mental disorder characterized by accumulation of possessions due to excessive acquisition of or difficulty discarding them, regardless of their actual value, leading to clinically significant distress or impairment in a personal, family, social, or educational environment. So the person that you're helping, does he hold down a job or is he retired? He did hold down a job. Um, for quite a while, and then he came back to his family home to help take care of his mother. And um, it it could have been based on the loss of his parents, but again, I'm not sure. So, um, yes, yeah, so he has worked in the past, though my understanding is that there were some issues here and there in terms of his personal lifestyle, but I think he 
my understanding is he did carry out his job okay, um, but he did retire early. Um, I think the interesting thing that you brought up is what he is hoarding because, as you, we said in the beginning, people hoard different things. And in the definition that I read, those items that people hoard are not necessarily of significant value. Mm-hmm. Well, it, in his case, at least with the books and papers, they are of value to him. I mean, he's an avid reader and he likes to write, and so he had a real weakness for books. And... Um, and in terms of the paper, um, now with some of the paper, there was definitely no value. For instance, he did seem to have a hard time throwing away even like junk mail. And in fact, he would even collect some other people's mail at the post office that was discarded. discarded. Um, so certainly some of it did not have value, but at the same time, he was unable to discard a lot of it and in fact, he would just continue to put it into boxes and create new shelves around the house and piles, uh, which of course made it difficult to have the house cleaned. So when you're working with somebody, whether they have a hoarding disorder or trying to downsize their life or rid themselves of possessions, I guess you would say, how is that like from a psychological standpoint, do you think? Well, with him, it's, um, there is a lot of anxiety around having any of it discarded. And so um, what I have found is that sometimes, even though it slows the process down for me, um, it's better to enlist them in the process. So, um, for instance, I have him make files, label files, and we would insert papers. He'd actually bought some empty file cabinets, but had not even started putting things into them. So we've started to put things into files. So um, so that's helpful. And then going through books, it's just, you know, do you need this? Do you really need this? And some of them were just in such poor condition or musty or dusty or moldy. So um, it was clear that they needed to go into the dumpster or the trash. Now, would you go to his home like every day and work an hour or two at a time? Or would you work for a couple hours? I generally um, go and work in chunks of time, say around four hours, and it really varies. I mean, sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's twice a week. Um, He's struggling with some other issues, health issues, so, you know, I'm actually also helping be his health advocate for for those. Um, But it's a, I think it's a slow process and one in which I realize he, he needs to be comfortable. Which is great for you to recognize that. I think we all need to recognize things that trigger other people with whatever disorder that they have. Mm-hmm. I myself am a little OCD, and I think working with somebody like that would frustrate me because I would want to have it all complete and complete organized in like a day. And I probably would not want to ask their input. I probably want to just, this is going in this pile and that's going in that pile and live with it, which is probably not why I'm, or probably why I'm not an organizer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I started out that way, even up until recently. And it's, um, it's hard for me too, because I, well, I just like to go in and really just get rid of stuff. I mean, I like to work fast and, and um, 
dispose of as much as I can in a shorter time. And so, um, and, um, but it's not necessarily the most useful. Although I have found that as time goes on, and maybe it's because of his own health issues that he seems a little less concerned at times with what I'm discarding. Um, it's funny, sometimes it's better when he goes out for medical appointments or, or something that I'm not accompanying him to because I can just go in and then I'll <laughs> be a little bit more aggressive about <laughs> getting rid of things when he's not there. So, uh, but it's definitely a process. And it's good that you realize it's a process. So speaking of that process, if you go to somebody else's home just to do organizing, and I'd like you to maybe offer some tips to people who don't have somebody in their area that, that helps with the work that you do, what they can do to start the process of maybe decluttering. I always start with the low-hanging fruit, meaning the easy stuff. I mean, this goes for my own home also. Um, so there's a lot of information online. People can look up for this and a lot of free advice for sure. Um, but uh, for instance, this person also has a lot of photographs, etc. And so, for instance, with photographs, it's just recommended to get rid of a lot of photographs that have scenery or things that are really not critical. Say you really want to keep the photographs of the special people in your life, you know, maybe, like I just went through many boxes of slides for my parents, so I'm doing this myself for some a lot of the things I've inherited. So I basically got rid of a lot of landscape photos or things that I didn't even know of and um, you know, just kept a lot of the people photographs. Um, with him, it was um, my friend that's hoarding. It's just really easy to just start with the really obvious paper that's not of value. I mean, he would save envelopes, um, the um, wrapping, you know, like, the stamp booklets, you know, when you've used all the stamps in a, in a little cardboard booklet, but he kept the empty booklet, you know, just the leftover paper, junk mail. Hmm. So there's a lot that one can do if um, just to kind of do the easy stuff first. That's what I say. And I've been also taking a lot of it to recycling, which kind of makes me feel better, you know, instead of putting it in a dumpster. But, Absolutely. but it's good for it to go in the trash. I mean, if he has to go in the trash, let it go in the trash. I mean, some of it's you know, not even in good enough condition to recycle. So, um, and then, um, of course, there are a lot of people who say if you haven't worn an item of clothing in a year, you know, to get rid of it. But um, I personally have a hard time getting rid of clothing, for, for instance. But, um, so I think it just helps to get started in any category that one can and just, just get rid of the easy stuff first. You know, say you have tons of pens and pencils, pens and pencils and uh, markers. Um, well, you know, keep a handful, maybe think about donating too. So there's just so many places one can donate and make, you know, really feel good about people who might actually need these items, you know. And there's also, of course, yard sales, which before the internet, I think was really huge for people to discard their unwanted items. Because as we said before, uh, when I was talking to you before the podcast, one man's treasure, one man's trash is another person's treasure. 
And I think that's very true. Absolutely. I love yard sales. And um, in fact, I've been putting a lot of this person's items in the yard sale. In fact, he's actually given them to me and said, put these in your yard sale. So that's how I've been selling a lot of my parents' things and his things. And also, you know, selling online, obviously, there's Facebook Marketplace and Nextdoor and eBay and so many different sites where um, if you really want to make some money at it and you feel like you just can't part with it and it's worth something. So that's a opportunity. Um, of course, it takes some time to set that up. and um, But once it's set up, it's very easy. Uh, so there's just lots of different ways to pass on items um, and feel good about it too. I think that the hard part is getting started. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's recommended to um, set a timer for it. So say just start with 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day because there can be a lot of anxiety around it. So if you say, I'm just going to spend even five minutes, you know, if it's really hard, um, even um, for people with obsessive compulsive disorder, if you can sort of just live with it for five minutes um, and, you know, realize you're doing something really valuable um, for yourself and your environment, um, and then maybe just try and build up. But, you know, obviously don't make yourself too crazy about it. So, yeah, I would just say start slow and start easy. Again, great advice. I'm going to circle back because you mm -hmm. mentioned that discarding stuff can be anxiety-provoking. Right. And that you yourself admitted that you do have some struggles with anxiety. Yes, I definitely have um, issues with anxiety, and I really understand how it can be difficult to let go of things. Um, and I think that in some cases there are sort of psycho-emotional components to this, and so maybe it's about letting go in other areas of my life. So um, it's helpful for a lot of people with mental health issues, obviously, um, to have a therapist. Um, I have a therapist and I find that helpful. I also have an accountability partner and that's another possibility um, is, you know, to maybe find someone in your life who might be willing to do that. So I have an accountability partner for a year now. I found her through a local sort of alternative economy app called uh, Time Bank. Um, in some areas it's called Our World, H-O-U-R World. So you could check into that or other opportunities where you might find a partner. And so what we do is um, it started initially as uh, support for literally decluttering, getting rid of things. And so every week we would report to each other through email uh, what we had done that week, what we'd gotten rid of or how much, you know, the specifics are not that important. She was more interested in saying, okay, I got rid of a box, or I took a, one box to the SBCA. You know, for me, it was, you know, items that I took here or there or sold. And, um, and over time, though, it's kind of expanded into what we've actually accomplished that week. Because sometimes, um, if we can be supported and report back on other things we've accomplished, it kind of supports the effort of the decluttering also. Well, I think it's good for your mental health when you can feel that sense of accomplishment. 
feel that sense of being worthy and knowing that you are making steps to improve your life. Right, and, and also that other people are doing the same thing. I mean, especially now. I mean, obviously decluttering is, you know, it's become a hot topic and um, often for, say, middle-aged to older folks who might be downsizing and um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it feels good to be supported and know that other people are, are working on it too. And uh, I, I think it's just been really helpful to have that. And I write it down in a notebook, you know, like every time I do something, like I, I sell online. And so just today I wrote down, listed two items to sell on eBay, sold an item on eBay, you know. Nice. Um, shipped it out, you know, it just, it's, it's a sense of accomplishment. And I think it just sort of feeds on itself. I agree. I think all too often we don't pat ourselves on the back for doing small tasks. And I like the thought that you suggested that people set a time, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever amount of time to accomplish the task, whether it's decluttering or whether it's painting that wall that you've always wanted to have painted or whatever it is. And I think it's a lot easier mentally for me to think about doing something if I know I've only got to do it for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then once that 10 minutes is over and I do it, I actually feel positive and I may want to continue mm -hmm. the effort or I may switch gears. Mm -hmm. Right. And it could be for all, like you said, all sorts of things, you know, like I, you know, I often report that, oh, okay, I fix the, the, the screens on my house or I, put a nail in something or, you know, it can be just um, all sorts of different tasks. And so I think almost by even writing it down or noting it, um, it kind of, like I said, it builds on itself. And, it, and even if you're just doing it yourself for your own, not for somebody else to report to, but, you know, you can sort of keep your own little notebook and because um, then you kind of see the accomplishments and the progress. I've got another question related to emotional attachment of objects. Mm -hmm. Because you and I both have discussed that we've had a recent parent pass away and we're dealing with the estate and items that they had and either donating them or selling them or whatever. And you also mentioned about photographs. How hard is it for you to look through your family's stuff and to either discard it or trash it or maybe keep it? Well, I, for my mother's estate we had an estate sale and um the man who ran it said to me you need to fall out of love with this stuff <laughs> you know and that was hard because i did let go of a few things that i wish i'd kept it was really really hard but um as time has gone on you know i'm kind of over it more or less a couple of the items maybe not but um <laughs> it i think again it what happens is is that it's like the more I get rid of, the more I want to get rid of it. It's sort of, it's, it's sort of, a, again, it's this feeling of like, ah, I did it and it's an accomplishment and it's like, ah, I let go of it and make space for letting get rid of more. And so um, it's, it's kind of excitement in a way um, to say, wow, I did that. And um, especially if I can make a little money at it, I, I definitely um, enjoy the things that obviously I can sell, even at a yard sale. It's, I mean, it's just sort of, for me, fun 
to make a little money. And um, so that makes it a little easier than I think almost just giving it away. Although I've, believe me, given away plenty and made many trips to Salvation Army or Goodwill or SPCA or the library books, you know, sale. And um, so there's, so it is, it can be really hard to detach, um, but I think just it gets easier with time. That's what I'm finding. Well, you and I are both of similar age, and I think the older I get, the more I start thinking about what happens when I do go and where's all of my stuff going to go, and do I really need all this stuff? I don't know if you follow the tiny housing market, but I know yeah. for me, I love tiny houses. There's a 400 to 500, maybe 600-foot house, and I personally would love to work my way to having the least amount of things to go put myself into a tiny home. Oh, I love that idea also. I mean, I would love to get there. And it's, you know, it's interesting how um, we've been led to believe in our culture that, you know, home ownership is this sort of goal to have. And I think for a lot of people, especially single people, and maybe even more single women, it's, you know, it's really a lot of work and it's challenging. And do we really need all this stuff? You know, you buy a house and we fill it. Right. And now I'm looking at it and I'm going, do I really need all this stuff? And it, it is really challenging to downsize. I mean, I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I do find a certain amount of attachment to certain things like my music or books or clothes. But, um, but again, I think the more I do, the easier it gets. And so I just sort of have to keep at it or take breaks when necessary, you know, so I don't get too anxious. But um, right, so I think um, it just helps to maybe have a little more forethought about when you're buying something. Like, do I really need this? You know, I mean, maybe certain things you want, obviously. But um, to think about down the line, okay, well, I'm going to be having to take care of this and have space for it and then eventually get rid of it. And um, Yeah, so it's, um, it's an interesting process. I can relate as someone who has lived their life frugally for most of my life that... Uh, I always ask myself when I see something, do I need it or do I want it? Now, sometimes there can be blurry lines between need and want, but we know what our necessities are, roof over our head, mm -hmm. food to eat, maybe some mm -hmm. clothing. Mm -hmm. What else is a need? Um, health is a need. You've got to take care of your health. Mm -hmm. But the society and the advertising and, the, as you said, the culture is buy, 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 Right. and always get the, the latest and the greatest. And I wonder what parents of children are teaching their kids in terms of that value and that I gotta have it. Right, exactly. And, and I also think that um, there is a component to this, um, you know, a social and personal component in that I have read that um, the hoarding and um, clutter can um, almost be a substitute, you know, that it kind of is symbolic of, um, in some cases, a lack of um, social contact, you know, personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so, um, so when we ask ourselves, well, what do I really need or want? You know, it's like, or, you know, what is this a substitute for? Like, maybe there are other aspects of one's life that might be more fulfilling than this stuff, right? So, um, so maybe it's a, it's an indicator that hmm, maybe I need to 
pursue some social contact more um, instead of hoarding stuff. And of course, it's easier said than done. It's good to get support if necessary. But, um, you know, there are a lot of ways to kind of utilize the time or that energy differently, um, whether it's seeking out friends or, or volunteering. And there's a, a million organizations that could use volunteer help. So, you know, that's an option. I love that thought because shopaholics, hoarders, gamblers, they are all legitimate mental health issues and addictions. And so you have to think what led that person down that path and how can that person change the path and mm -hmm. what do they need, what kind of support do they need to change what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And to be fair, some of these issues really are mental health issues that may require professional help, medications. Glad you said that. Yeah. Um, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder um, is a brain disorder. You know, it's a, there is a, um, you know, there are parts of the brain that just aren't functioning the way they should be. Um, and apparently like antidepressants can help. There's also, you know, these, there's a book called Brain Lock. Um, I think the author's name is Jeffrey Schwartz and he has developed UCLA some years ago, you know, a, a four-step self-help process where you sort of refocus, you know, you, you sort of relabel it and go, it's not me, it's the OCD. And it's just, a, it's a, it's a problem in my brain. And then the, the big step is to refocus. So instead of, you know, focusing on the, um, the behavior, you try and spend even five minutes, start out like, for instance, with five minutes doing a, a more constructive behavior. So maybe it is going through and getting rid of something or um, working on you, something around your house um, or your shed or your garage. A lot of people <laughs> have full garages. So, um, um, and then you reevaluate and say, just say, okay, this is you know more productive and this is um, this is how I bring value to my life. There is, uh, are you familiar with the reality TV series Hoarders? I have seen a couple of those episodes. Would you say that that's a reflection of your current client? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel um, like they're over, what's the word I'm looking for? They're putting too much emphasis on the stuff and it's sort of sensationalizing. That's mm -hmm. what I was looking for, sensationalizing hoarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well this, um, person, um, I mean, it's not floor to ceiling, but it's, I mean, probably because they can't reach the ceiling, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a dangerous situation where he had put shelves, built shelves and in, in front of doors, which shouldn't be blocked for safety reasons, um, and windows. And so, um, so it really can be not only unhealthy mentally, but obviously physically, you know, unhealthy. Right, and there are laws that socially um, can be enforced for somebody that is a hoarder and that they are living in unsafe or unsanitary conditions. Right, right, and I think with this person I'm working with, you know, there's a, there was a fear that um, that place could be condemned. So our main goal was to get him out for a, a month when the 
while the bathroom and kitchen were being renovated um, because, you know, I think with probably extreme hoarders, there's, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of issues with lack of upkeep and maintenance. Um, so, um, so it's definitely a multifaceted problem. I mean, the human brain is amazing. And mm -hmm. I hope that your friend has other support in his life mm -hmm. to deal with his living conditions and that they, they do improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, he really has no family to speak of. So um, actually his main support system right now, although, you know, and also he's kind of an introvert and ashamed. And so he's, it's hard to ask for help. I think that's the other issue is, um, so I think sometimes it just takes somebody like me who just marches in and says, you know, <laughs> we're going to take care of this. We're going to deal with it. Sometimes you got to grab the bull by the horn. Right, right. And, and also, I mean, it's interesting that I'm in some ways having to, he's about 78 and so I'm almost having to treat him like you would, um, a young person or a child, like instead of like by giving him choices. You know, right. instead of um, saying, do you want to do this? Because I don't think he really wants to. Um, so it may be extreme, but, you know, it's sort of like, okay, well, you know, do you want to go live in a assisted living or live somewhere you don't want to live, you know, and, or do you want to be in your own home? And if so, you know, you can't be living in these conditions. And Well, I think the important part is what you said is people need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say to those listening, if you know of somebody who, a neighbor who you haven't seen in a while, and you might be concerned about them, or know somebody who is a hoarder and their house is unsafe, reach out to them, ask them if they need help, offer them help, even if they don't want to accept it. Because basically we're all in this together to help each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Phyllis, we are nearly out of time. So I want to thank you very much for speaking candidly with me mm -hmm. and sharing your experience and your friend's situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, to all the listeners out there, I want to remind you that every cloud has a silver lining. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about mental health and find resources, please visit us online at mentalfitnesssupport.com or follow us on Facebook Insta and Instagram.